Welcome to Rapston. The best use of your time. Tonight's show will be about something. Sit tight and Rav will tell you about it soon. Everyone, how is it going? This is Rapsig here, and you are listening to Ravsdom, the third episode after we are back, after we've been back from hiatus. And this show is going to be um, very fast-paced, so I have to jump in right now for the first talk bed. Actually, there won't be talk beds at all during this show. Because uh, I'm not sure if you know, but a, f- a few days ago, or maybe even yesterday, I forgot, I've posted uh, like a, a chain uh, for uh, Sega's uh, 60th birthday with my 60 um, picks for my own uh, memories with Sega games. So there's one memory per game for a total of 60. And. I am going to go through half of them today. 30, so it, yeah, it, in an hour, yeah. Ravsdom, tonight's show will be about number 38. This is the first one in the list, but before I go for it, uh, I will let you know that uh, after 15 out of those 30 uh, memories, and respective songs, I'm going to be telling you about something new that is coming to Rapsdom. Something that I hope to implement from here onwards. It's going to be a game. Uh, There will be 10 contestants and the winner is gonna uh, get a prize. Yeah, we are gonna have that kind of thing. (laughs) And um, yeah, there will be details about it, as I mentioned, after 15 tracks. So this is the first one. This is... uh, I'm trying to find my correct programs here. Okay. So this is Exhaust Fumes from Super Monaco GP on the ZX Spectrum, which was my first Sega game ever. And this was probably around 1991. 
uh, I was in preschool and I couldn't really understand a lot of what was going on in the game. And my older cousin did most of the playing, of course, but it boggled our minds, like pretty, pretty much everyone in our family, just how the steering wheel was animated back then, like you would actually steer the wheel and you could see in the cockpit view that the driver was uh, twisting it around, which was spectacular back then, actually. Outrun! Yep, the original one. Also by around 91. Because when I was like 4 years old, you know, I hated getting my hair cut. And somehow, in my very small town, inside a very small mall, where I used to cut my hair, there was an Outrun arcade in there. And. My parents would bribe me with one go at the arcade, uh, so that I would, I wouldn't uh, throw a tantrum <laughs> whenever I went into the hairdresser. Yeah, good memories. So now we are in Sonic the Hedgehog territory, which was the first game that I saw uh, on the Mega Drive, and that was after my cousins got one. Uh, this was about one year later, in 92, and my most vivid memory when it comes to Sonic the Hedgehog isn't exactly a, a good one, because it was when I raised a their higher, I really annoyed them because I felt like playing Streets of Rage, so I just took the cartridge off the Mega Drive while it was on and playing Sonic. Yeah. People were angry at me and I had no idea. I had just done a bad thing. So yeah, so we are now into Streets of Rage, which was of course around the same time. So, uh, in Streets of Rage, uh, the most clear memory I've got, and it's actually from a time where this song plays, the boss theme, uh, because uh, my cousin and I sometimes played this on a black and white TV back then, and my cousin would usually play as Blaze, and whenever you went to the um, to the boss battle against uh, those twins, Mona and Lisa, and their, their Japanese names are a bit different, uh, but I forgot them. Essentially, um, they used the same sprites as Blaze. They were just uh, green, and yeah, and I could not tell them apart, so I would usually just go for my cousin, and it made life harder for both of us. World Cup Italia 90 
one of the games that I have the most memories about, one of the games that I have played for the longest time, and an absolute classic that I'm pretty sure everyone around me uh, remembers very fondly. So yeah, so back then I was still by like four or five years old and I was young and very unskilled at video games. So I went lots of matches without scoring any goal whatsoever. And there was one time that I was almost there. I had shot the ball. I still remember it was against Mexico even. I shot the ball. The ball was going in. It was just like one meter away. And the goalkeeper was really far. And then out of nowhere, beep. There's a whistle for halftime. And my first goal had to wait some more hours. Yeah, that wasn't fun for a five-year-old. Rav's dumb. Whatever Rav feels like. I won't let you humans interfere with my plans. Only on Radio Sega. So this is now for the uh, other Super Monaco GP version that is not arcade. This is the Mega Drive version. And yeah, it was uh, some months later, uh, some months after uh, the games from Mega Games and Sonic. And uh, I remember being awful at this game as well. And I constantly got fired from team after team on career mode. So uh, I remember that back then uh, there was a darkening effect that would happen uh, whenever uh, you got fired, like the screen would get darker, except for the car, and for some reason that really creeped the hell out of uh, five-year-old me. I really had to turn my head away from the screen. Shortly thereafter, my cousin borrowed a Super Monaco GP2 Ayrton Senna from a friend, and it was very similar to the first one, but back then I was just like 6, but I was a huge uh, F1 fan, so I remember going through all the teams and all the drivers in uh, career mode to try and uh, find some uh, likelinesses. Uh, I'm not sure if I said it right, but I was really trying to find out in which teams and in which drivers they were inspired on. The Revenge of Shinobi, I don't really have a lot of memories from this game. The only thing I remember is that this was um, when I was like 7 years old or something. I learned what the infinite symbol was, because I would see my cousin uh, pull the, um, the infinite shuriken's code. 
which was essentially just uh, leave it at, uh, on zero and wait for a few seconds, and then the zeros would just mesh into an infinite sign. And I was like, why is this eight lying down? And then my cousin told me, that is infinite. And I was like, okay, I learned something. And yeah, that's how I remember this game. Not a lot of the game per se, to be said, to be fair. So now we are going uh, from the Mega Drive to the Master System and from my cousins to my neighbor. And he had a Master System and he had Transbot. It was actually the Portuguese purple uh, version, which is apparently very rare and Portuguese exclusive. So, um, there were two things I remember about this game. That when we finally beat it, we were shocked to see that it was looping and we thought we had to beat it twice, but then we did that and nothing happened. So it turned out that the game looped for all eternity. And um, other thing was that the manual actually had some codes and tricks and cheats to enter in your uh, controller, but none of them worked. And this is Virtua Fighter. And this was my first memory with Virtua Fighter was getting mind blown. Uh, so yeah, so I grew up in a town that had like uh, 20,000 inhabitants, and that's that's the amount now because back then it was probably something to the tune of 15,000. And um, actually, there is one missing track here. Hmm. That's fine. Anyways, so Virtual Fighter, right? Yeah, I, this, this should be number 11 and not number 10, but that's fine. So, uh, my town was very small and it was in the middle of nowhere. And by 94, maybe, uh, we went to another town called Leiria, which is marginally bigger, but it was still the biggest of the area, so... It would probably had something like 60, 70,000 people. It, it had things that I had no idea existed. A video game stores. Yes. And one of them was playing a demo for um, the arcade Virtual Fighter. To, in order to entice people to enter and get games. And it blew my mind. I had no idea that games could look like that back then. This is definitely my earliest Sega is awesome moment. You're listening to Ravsdom. Excellent! No way you can stop me! So this is Super Hang-On 
and this is from the Mega Drive. This was supposed to be number 12, as it was around 94 as well, when I was like 7 years old. Um, uh, what I remember the most about this game is loving the song selection uh, possibil possibility and the song selection screen, and that made the game for me. Also, I learned that if you have a turbo controller and you trigger turbo on a button, it didn't mean that it was a continuous press. So the bike wouldn't accelerate, and that's how I learned it. Yep. Yeah, I know, Mega Games Memories. Yeah, it wasn't intentional, but the truth is that... Mega games were definitely the most accessible cartridges there were in Portugal back then. So they were definitely the most played. Yeah, they were cheap and people were poor. That's how it works. And this a song that I and this a song that I don't think you can listen to in Radio Sega is my actual Num memory number 10? Yeah. Even though I'm playing it as if it was number 12. So, this was from around the same time as Transbot, because this is from the Master System, this is World Soccer. And it came in uh, bundled, not bundled with the console, because you didn't even need a cartridge to play this. This was actually embedded in the console's memory. So, um... This was my neighbors, as I mentioned before, for Transbot. And it was very uncommon to be at his house uh, playing this game for long enough to beat the, the game. And there was one time in which it was his birthday, and I actually decided I'm gonna do it. And I beat all the teams I beat the game on his birthday. Yep. And uh, one other thing that confused me back then, when I was like six or seven, was because, yeah, I was already following football back then. And I was like, why is Great Britain a, a possibility? Like, why is Great Britain a national team that you can pick on a football game? Yeah, that's still a good question to make, isn't it? From football to football, my number 13 memories from World Championship Soccer 2 in the Mega Drive. Also around 94, 95 maybe, so I was like 7, 8. And um, I remember that I spent an afternoon on this game, my cousins, again. Um, and there were like 24 uh, selectable national teams and Portugal was not one of them. But then I found out that by playing the simulation of the uh, 1986 World Cup, Portugal was actually there, even though it was not selectable. But seven-year-old me found a way to play as Portugal. Sneaky, sneaky. Essentially, we had to choose a team from Portugal's group 
and then when it came to the team selection inside that game we would just change the controller to the other team so we would be playing as Portugal yeah I know this doesn't sound all that special but for someone who could barely write and speak his native language let alone English this was quite the accomplishment for me Of course this had to be here, right? Comic Zone was mind-blowing. It, it came pretty late in the Mega Drive's life, as you know, so I was like 8. And I had always been pretty bad uh, on platformers, and they didn't really interest me that much. Because, I mean, you could see that nearly all the games I've mentioned were sports and racing. And the truth is that... Uh, yeah... Comic Zone pulled me like no other platformer before and I still come back to it every once in a while. Every single new page was wow, the music was wow. And to finish the first quarter we are going into the big one so Virtual Fighter 2 right Virtual Fighter 2 on the Saturn I, I've mentioned it before on other uh, Ravsdom episodes but uh, at that point like 95 96 there was um, a TV show that would uh, play on Portuguese TV like every weekend in the morning it was called Cybermaster and it would essentially put various players uh, against each other in various games throughout. It was sponsored by SEGA, and SEGA was really big uh, in Portugal, and it was pretty much like the owner of a monopoly there. Uh, Nintendo was non-existent, and the PlayStation hadn't really gained traction. So... Um, Pretty much on the final of every single episode after bouts of Titan USA, Sega Rally, Mortal Kombat Trilogy, uh, NBA Jam. Uh, yeah, there were nights, even nights. I think they were they were playing nights as well. Uh, the final would, between the, the two contestants who were the best up until then would uh, always be on a fighter. Later on, it, it also um, it also had some episodes where the final was uh, on Fighting Vipers or on uh, Virtual Fighter Kids, but at the start, it was always Virtual Fighter 2. And um, you probably don't know this, but when you go into versus mode on Sa on the Saturn's Virtual Fighter 2, the first match is always going to be on Sarah's stage. So I listen to this track, uh, uh, except if it's Chicago, but that's a different thing. Essentially, Chicago triggers if you uh, go Jackie versus Sarah. But other than the Jer Jackie versus Sarah matches, it would always be in Sarah's stage. So this song would play regularly on the stuff of my dreams. Like, I would watch this every single week, and it was my holy grail. The best there was, what I really wanted. 
this is pretty much where I discovered I was a video game game fan above pretty much anything else. And that is why this song means so much to me. I'm actually I'm actually gonna pause this right now because I'm running out of time and I need to let you know that what is coming right afterwards is going to be a sound that I hope you are going to listen to plenty of times after this show. It's going to be the introduction and the background uh, music to the next competition. We are going to let Kimmy Pops explain what it is and then I'm going to talk a little more about it. Name five. It's exactly what it sounds like. You'll give it a topic and you'll have to name five. Pretty simple, isn't it? That's exactly what it is. So, name five. Name five is going to be uh, the next game that we are going to have. I've only prepared ten episodes, but if it goes well, I could go for more. So, essentially, uh, what is going to happen is that I am going to be with someone, not live, we can record it, of course. And then there are like four levels of difficulty. So at the start it's going to be extremely obvious things like... Um, name characters from the Sonic the Hedgehog franchise. Stuff like that. And then the difficulty is going to increase until the last one. The last one is going to be insane stuff like... Uh, like a random example, let me think of one. Uh, Enemies that you might face on Shining Force 3 Scenario 2's last level. Stuff like that. Stuff that only extremely crazy people would know. And of course, uh, between those two levels, there are other two intermediate levels. And the catch is that uh, you have half a minute to, to give me five answers. So, yeah, at the end, uh, you will be scoring somewhere between 0 and uh, 5 times 4, 20 points. Does this sound interesting to you? If it does, feel free to get in touch with me, uh, either by Discord, you can private message me on Discord, you can private message me on Twitter, you can private message me on Instagram. You can even private message or even reply to Radio Sega's account and we are we can get it done easily. So yeah, so uh, there will obviously be a prize uh, for the, the winner. Let me just quickly check this card to see if people are asking anything about this. Okay, guys, uh, if this wasn't clear, of course, feel absolutely free to let me know. Uh, yes, so I've prepared 10 topics for each level. So y you will be randomly picking one of them if you are participating, like... 
Uh, all of them are allocated a number between 1 and 10, so if you tell me 8, I go see uh, which one is number 8 for the first level, and you go with that. Alright. And I told you that... Um, there will be 30 seconds. So, while you are trying to think of those 5 uh, possibilities to name and get points, this song will be playing, which I uh, trimmed so that it would have a good 30 second marker. I'm gonna start it soon. So essentially, when uh, there is the voice effect saying virtual on, that's when you hit the 30 seconds mark. So that's when time runs out for you, in case you hadn't already given me five answers for that topic. And continuing, moving on. This is my number 16. This is from Sega Flash Volume, volume 3 on the Saturn, the demo disc. This, uh, the Saturn was what I considered to be my first console, like the epiphone of happiness, all that I ever wanted, especially after Cybermaster. And w when I got it, it only came with the, um, the Dragon Ball Z game and this demo disc. And of course, literally all of the games in the demo disc were played to exhaustion, which is actually going to bring me to the next uh, few memories. But yeah, this song that I, that is playing right now uh, gives me some of my happiest memories in life. From when I was like 10, 11 maybe? Around, actually, not much um, later, my dad actually bought us Daytona USA Championship Circuit Edition, which had, I remember it had a massive sticker uh, saying the game was for sale, that was uh, 6,990 escudos, Portuguese escudos, which was about like half of the price. Like, uh, it was uh, 7, 7 contos, how much? Uh, that's 35 uh, euros, I think, roughly. So, yeah. So, the thing is that my dad loved this game. I distinctively remember one time going to bed at like 11, and he was still playing it. And, I, and on the next day, I asked him, so, did you play for much longer? And he told me, nah, I just played like a couple more games. And then I would go to the, uh, to the record settings, and every single time out of the top 30 was his, and it all, all of them were new, so he lied to me. 
virtual one, right? And this song plays for a reason, because it was the only one that uh, played uh, on the Sega Flash Volume 3 demo disc. Essentially, the way that demo worked was that you could choose literally every single uh, virtual ride, but you could only play the first stage against Temjin on his stage with this song in the background. Yep. Uh, I played it once, twice, three times, ten times, maybe even 100 times with every single character. This game was like an, like an anything else we could play back then, like a 3D arena fighter with special moves and stuff. This was like, yeah, special. So I kept on begging my parents for the full game until it finally happened in a Christmas, in a certain Christmas, either either 97 or 98, maybe even 98. I'm not sure anymore. But this was the best Christmas gift ever, and uh, I remember that when I got it, I was fearing that it was screwed, but because it wouldn't run. But it turns out that the disc had only had to be cleaned, otherwise it was fine. So this is a SEGA Rally Championship for the SEGA Saturn and this is the song that plays on the desert stage which I have, I might have played through like thousands of times um, even so, uh, yeah I have plenty of memories about this game because I played it so much but two that stand out are the fact that it took me much longer to beat it than a classmate of mine back then but when I did, I actually also came first in the lakeside course, which was extremely hard. And apparently he had uh, reached lakeside dozens of times, but he, he was never able to, to come first at the end of that, that special stage. So he didn't believe me, because I had taken too long to get there. And other thing is that I unlocked the Lancia Stratos uh, unlockable car totally by accident because the code to unlock it was to be in the main menu and press like X, Y, Z, Y, X and I remember that there was a time that I was waiting for my, my brother to come so that we would play Versus and I was getting frustrated so I just started mashing random buttons in the, um, the main menu just to keep myself entertained and apparently at some point I entered XYZ, YX. Yeah, and then my jaw fell to the floor when out of nowhere we went into the car selection menu and the shiny Stratos was there. Die Hard Arcade, also known as Dynamite Tekka in Japan. This is my number 20 memory. This game was so simple yet so full of substance. Um, yeah, 
So the first time I played this was when I borrowed like a Sega Flash Volume 5 from a colleague who had uh, bought a Saturn uh, later than, than I did. And yeah, I just decided I had to get it, so I got it from a second-hand store. Uh, it was, even though it was pretty simple, like it was just like a 3D uh, beat-em-up, it was really fun to figure out all the combos, the game was really deep and there were plenty of interesting weapons to use and to memorize all the scenes and what could happen if you file the QTEs and stuff like that, yeah. Also, also, deep scan. Deep scan. The way to, to increase your starting credits in this game was by playing the arcade classic from the early 80s, Deep Scan. The more points you amassed on Deep Scan, the more credits you had when you went through Die Hard Arcade's uh, arcade mode. You're listening to Ravsdom. Get a load of this! The greatest show you could ask for. Fighting Vipers. Of course. Although I have to say that most of my memories uh, of this game are recent with amazing online matches that I have had with people like Razinov. Um, especially on my birthday two years ago. Um, yeah, back then I only borrowed the game. That's what you get when when you are poor. Everyone gets like two free games and we just share them around. So this wasn't mine. And back then I had no idea that this game would become one of my uh, all-time top three picks. But it was really addictive to find out what kind of moves characters would get after they blew their own armor on purpose. And also uh, the how to unlock characters and to find out the differences between BM and Mahler, stuff like that. The best memories I have from this game though are from training mode where uh, you had to go through characters' uh, moves, all of them and you would get an okay every time you could do them. And I spent months trying to complete all the moves for all the characters. Mega Mix. Yeah, now this one I actually owned, and this one is probably the game I have played the most from my entire life. So, Virtual Fighter 2 and Fighting Vipers were both already very special to me, uh, but both had been borrowed, in truth. Fighters Mega Mix was mine, and the fusion of all those worlds, like all the stages, all the music from both games and even from more games and or Sega characters from plenty more franchises and I had no idea who they were before I unlocked them. 
and when I unlock them, it would always be a great surprise. And yeah, this game was so captivating in so many ways. So I'm not sure if there's any game I have better memories of. So this is number 22. And we are... Yeah, I think I don't have to go as quickly as I have, but let's go. Next one. Battle Arena Tochiden Ura, still technically published by SEGA, even though it wasn't first party. Um, Battle Arena Toshinen Hura was another Saturn fighter, as you can see I had a special place in my heart for Saturn fighters. And this is yet another one that I spent countless hours on. Special memories from this game. Uh, putting it in my CD players and listening to the Red Bull audio, which was amazing. Uh, spending hours trying to find out all the four shortcut specials for all characters. Writing down all the five, not five, six palette swaps that every character could choose from depending on which button you used to choose them, to pick them. And also, this game, and this is from like 98, 99, I did not have um, broadband, in, broadband internet back then. And I found. Uh, this is where I found that in the late 90s, GeoCities was the best browser to find stuff. It was the 90s Google. Uh, I went to my town's library, which you could use uh, for internet searches for like half an hour per day, and I. <laughs> I was about to say Googled, but I GeoCities <laughs> uh, cheats for Battle Arena Tochino Nura, and I found many that I had no idea about. Bronx. Yep, another Saturn fighter. This one, um, yeah, I spent many hours on it, as like pretty much all the others, so that those were great memories by themselves. Um, there And yeah, the FMV videos were amazing, uh, the ones that would play in story mode and the intro and as the ending. Yeah, the, these were great. And two things that I remember about this is that back then I remember that I found on GeoCities a way to face a character that was either grey or metal. It was very unclear back then, but the truth is that eventually it was cleared up that the Saturn, uh, the Saturn removed metal and got grey because the Saturn couldn't handle the metallic effects and stuff. But yeah, so I remember reading about it, but I couldn't get there. I was too bad at the game. 
and the other one is that uh, the game's manual mentioned a second disc with lessons and, and videos and tutorials to, to tell us how to improve. And I spent, I swear, I spent at least 10 years sad that the version I, I got, which was, I think, secondhand. I don't remember if it was secondhand, but still. I spent like a decade uh, upset that I didn't have that second disc until I eventually find out, found out that the second disc was Japan only. Yep. <laughs> and the manual, yeah, the manual just had a mistake. It was just translated directly from English, which was outdated. Maybe the decision to remove the second disc was a late one. And, um... Okay. So, this is Sonic R, which is, you guessed, a game that I had borrowed <laughs> from a classmate. Um, yeah, that, that's how it works, as I mentioned. But yeah, yet, whatever time that I spent uh, with this game was spent joyfully exploring those four magical tracks and finding out more and more and more tricks and more and more spaces and memorizing them and finding shortcuts and I remember being pretty proud of my times back then so yeah and the music of course the music <laughs> the music uh, gave the game a very special aura it is still popular right now but back then it was just as big You're listening to Rav's Dom, whatever Rav feels like. Why am I so great? This song is labeled as from Worldwide Soccer 97, but it also plays in Worldwide Soccer 98 which was pretty much the same game with a few additions. Um, I do remember that this... I'm not sure if it was this song anymore. It probably was. But there are two things I remember pretty well from this game. Uh, of course, I spent so many hours playing it with all the weather effects and all the stadiums and finding out the differences and penalty kick shootouts were, ac were actually a fun thing back in the day. Um, I remember that um, there was one time that I decided let's try and beat the, the game, let's try to beat the game, a tournament in the highest difficulty set setting. So I chose a strong team and I chose only the weakest teams as my opponents for the tournament, but I did it. And the message that the game displayed you uh, whenever you completed a tournament depended on the difficulty. And the, the message uh, stuck with me, the one that I got in the hardest possi possibility. It was something like, you are the best in the world. No, the 
best in the universe. Woohoo! Actually, I don't think I've ever seen this line ever since. I did never play any other of those tournaments again, and I have never seen anyone in the internet uh, accomplishing the same feat. So maybe I'm gonna do this for streams later, maybe I'm gonna stream it. We'll see. After this, there are only four more memories. So as you could see from my almost complete absence of Sonic memories from the Mega Drive times, uh, I was not big on the Blood Hedgehog uh, during those days. But I got Sonic Jam uh, for the Saturn, and this is how I played through the first three Sonic games, and a lot of Blue Sphere. The museum uh, in the 3D world was also extremely interesting, like going through the, the 3D world was a good memory. I remember some interesting trivia that you could see, that you could find in the museum, stuff like... Sonic was 16 years old. Dr. Robotnik's IQ was 300. And there were also commercials for um, animated series and for Game Gear games and stuff like that that I had no idea existed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, if you know me, you know that I am not uh, a particular fan uh, of how Virtua Fighter 2 has been used and reused on all those Mega Drive compilations, because I am not really... Um, I mean, I, d I don't really agree that... Um, Virtua Fighter 2 should be shared with a new generation of gamers as the, the, the Mega Drive port. It's not even a port, it's uh, almost like a spin-off. Because uh, the original game was amazing and it was extremely groundbreaking at the time, it was unlike anything else. It was head and shoulders uh, above and beyond anything else in the arcades in the mid-90s. Uh, um, but yeah, I do remember that I wondered how different the Mega Drive version was to the Saturn. And at like 98, 99, when I was like 11, 12, somehow uh, we were visit visited by a distant relative I don't really think I've ever met again. 
uh, he brought along a Mega Drive for us to play together and stuff. And he had plenty of games I had never played. And one of them was Virtua Fighter 2, and I finally found out uh, what the Mega Drive version was like. Number 29, number 29, ah, Daytona USA 2. This is actually one of the most significant of the list, uh, because it signifies a time in my life where um, I was probably the happiest with life in general, when I was like 13, because it was like between the ages of 9 and 20... Man, uh, late, like late 20s, between my... between my 5th grade and my late 20s, there were very few periods where I really felt like I fit in. And whenever I was like 13 on my 9th grade, that was the only exception, that was literally the only... Uh, school year I was actually happy and I do remember that my small town the one that I mentioned before actually had um, an arcade back then with this game and during town's festivities in during the summer with popular parties and stuff like music and people going around and stores and fireworks I do remember that I went with them to that mall in a rare independent moment and we played this game a lot and those are races that I won't ever forget honestly Dreamcast. So we go into the last memory of the first half by talking um, about my introduction to the Dreamcast. And this was via the Dream On demo disc, which was 
playing in I don't know I don't know their name in English I'm afraid but uh, you know that sometimes uh, game stores or even toy stores back then would have um, some consoles with two controllers protected and, and stuff and locked away and stuff only the controllers were out that you could try uh, yeah the first time I played a Dreamcast, or that I even saw a Dreamcast working, was in 99, of course, I was 12. It was in Lisbon. It was a Toys R Us in one of the biggest malls uh, called Colombo. I think that that Toys R Us actually closed uh, shortly after. And by the way, that Toys R Us was the exact same where I had gotten uh, Fighters Megamix like three or four years uh, earlier. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, it, it, it is just like a mem. It, that's the only reason why it's a memorable moment, really, because I distinctively remember it being my first interaction with the Dreamcast. So yeah guys, we are here for uh, 59 minutes now, you heard a lot of my voice, uh, I hope that wasn't too bad, <laughs> because this was quite interesting to do, and next week we will be here to, ah, wait, 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 wait. my talkpad is about to go away. Let's see if I can put a bit. I can put more. Yes, I could. Cool. Okay, so I'm extending the talk pad so I can talk a bit more. Right, so. Um, the second half is coming next week. And depending on how it goes, we might have the first edition of um, uh, Name 5. Which, of course, I am going to write about. And that's about it. You guys know that we are about to listen to the next episode of Glitch with Gavi, a pre-recorded show that is going to air for the next hour. So stay tuned with us. Tomorrow we are going to have Club Sega with I Need Fruit by 8pm British Western European time. Uh, I Need Fruit's shows are always great, so you will be missing out if you don't listen to it. If you are listening to the podcast version, like if you are not listening to me right now, but sometime in the future, you could also find uh, Club Sega and every other amazing uh, Radio Sega live show in uh, pretty much all your podcast services, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, I'm probably forgetting a few, so please let me know, Twinny and Stab and Pod people. Um, well, I digress. Uh, stay tuned with Radio Sega. Everyone is worth it. I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, it was great for me. I'm just tired. <laughs> and that's about it, guys. Uh, actually, I'll, just another piece of news. I'm going to be going back to streaming for Radio Sega next Monday. Uh, the time slot is going to be the same as before, 7 to 9 p.m. British time, so join in. I'm probably going to continue Dragon Force, 
but if you want me, if you really want me to play something else, I will be playing something else, you just have to tell me. Guys, see you. And thanks a lot for everything. <laughs>